Hi everyone, it's Andrew here. Hey, in this episode, you'll notice that I'm clearly not myself. I'm really, really flat and uh, got a funny voice. Um, as discussed in the interview, I and did have the mainstream media medical conference here in Perth, Western Australia on the weekend before, and uh, it was a great night, but um, I managed to carry on till around 5am in the morning after it and um, ended up uh, being a little bit under the weather and after a really big week at work, uh, it came to the time where I sat down with Dr. Sally Price and, well you'll get the gist. Um, yeah, I'm really under the weather. So I hope you all enjoy this with that um, concession and I hope you're all doing really well um, and looking after yourselves. Uh, and so thanks once again for joining me in this episode and um, we've got some really good ones coming up in the following weeks. Thank you and enjoy. Saturday the 10th of June, the state of Western Australia was honoured to have Dr. Asima Hutra, the Honourable John Shipton and amazing guests like Ed Dowd and Dr. Naomi Wolf at the Mainstream Medical Convention. Naomi Wolf's talk about the Pfizer documents released under Freedom of Information was brilliant in my view and it gave us an up-to-date snapshot of the progress being made thus far to understand the level of malfeasance, corruption and just the pure evil that Pfizer engaged in to literally murder people on a scale that could possibly exceed any level set previously in the world as we know it. It was truly shocking. On that night, Dr. Mahutra said, Amp's doctors are heroes and on the right side of history. Well, my guest today is one of those doctors. Dr. Sally Price is a functional medicine doctor and it's my honour to be speaking to her today. Dr. Price, thank you so much for joining me on The 8 News Show. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to what we can talk about today and inform people about. Yeah, well, um, I've been wanting to talk to you for quite some time. Um, and, you know, we've spoken many times now, but uh, it's been, you've been somebody who I've been trying to meet for ages and I've always missed you. And I don't know how that happened. But I guess um, one thing we've learnt in this time of the pandemic era is that things happen when they're meant to happen. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, I must admit I don't get out much and uh, I kind of come and go a fair bit. So, yeah. Right. But at least via Mark Lofts, I think we've connected up this time. We sure did. And I was talking to Mark for quite some time. Um, of course, everybody, Mark is uh, the doctor who I've done lots of the jab injured episodes with. So, um, you know, I've got quite a history with him already. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been, it's taken some time, but, yeah, it's, we're here now, so fantastic. Um, gosh, I feel awkward at the moment. I don't know why, but anyway, I'll cut this part out. Dr. Price, can you tell me a little bit about your medical practice and why you chose that particular kind of medicine? Yes, for sure. So functional medicine is the way that we look into somebody's health problems and try to discover the root cause. So it's 
it's either, you know, it's the X-Files of medicine or it's the Sherlock Holmes, let's get to the bottom of this kind of medicine. And really it's about what's underpinning somebody's problems and how can we then reverse that and get them back to their best health. And really for me, I guess that's over, that's evolved over a period of time. Uh, 24 years ago, I started some education in Ayurvedic healthcare and Ayurvedic, although it was written down in India, it's equally applicable to every, you know, live being on the planet. And so it's about the balance of the elements and how that plays out in people's health and their bodies. Um, it's one of the most ancient forms of medicine and it's got many different layers to it. So whereas in the West, we're really looking at detecting a disease and then doing whatever we choose to do about that. Mm. Realistically, Ayurvedic medicine is detecting where things are going a bit off track with somebody, where, where there's an imbalance, where there's early changes, where people have symptoms and we can actually intervene at very early phases. So the difference, I think, with Ayurveda versus the Western paradigm is that in Ayurveda, we have six stages to disease. And if we detect things in a really early stage, it's really easy to um, resume, get things back to normal. Right. Whereas in the West, we're really waiting on, okay, you've got detectable changes in your blood or we've found a lump or we've found, you know, a named syndrome or a, or a checklist of things and therefore, you know, this is the track that we're going to go on. So that misses typically stages one, two, three, maybe four in Ayurvedic medicine. And it's, you know, like if you go and see a doctor and they kind of go, oh, you know, you don't have a name disease right now, so come back when you do kind of a thing, mm. as opposed to proactively dealing with whatever the problem is that the person came in with. So it's a very interesting, different way of looking at things. That's Ayurvedic medicine. And I guess that's where that put me on track to look at all sorts of other natural healing mechanisms and methods. Um, so would you say Ayurvedic medicine is the true, it, it, it's truly concerned with um, the health of a person mm -hmm. rather than uh, – Disease detection. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. So it's, a, I mean, it's it's one of many holistic ways of looking at a system. Um, obviously, there's traditional Chinese medicine, TCM as well, and they've got their way of doing all of those things. So these ancient systems that are holistic, they look at everything that that person is dealing with and uh, try to bring back the balance or find out what the most important pertinent things are for that. Right. Um, I, I, you know, this, one of the things that is always, has always been in the back of my mind is that uh, when a doctor goes to university and just um, let's just say you're going to be a GP, right? So I guess you, you would say the first rung of, of doctorship so kind what of. happens really in meds, in medical training, okay, so you have to score well at school, mm -hmm. all of that kind of thing, 
and then, you know, you get your place at university, say. You mm. then do five or six years or yeah. whatever it is. You then have to do your internship, like your what we call in the UK house jobs. So you spend a year being the lowest of the low. Yeah. You're paid a third of your normal rate, normal, these yes, kinds of yes, things, and yes. you're there. You're the dog's body that does everything in the hospital and then you're on overnight and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. And then, you know, then you choose what you might want to go and do and any of those choices is going to be another three to five to ten years of Of course, if you're going to specialise. So yeah. people kind of think that um, general practice is like the waste bin of medicine. It's the people that didn't get to be a surgeon but actually there's a three-year, three- to four-year training to get into general practice, which, of course, involves all the things that you might need, like yep. paediatrics, obs and gynae, orthopaedics, accident and emergency. You um, need to have a, a coverage of it all. Yeah, so you, yeah. Choose the, so you choose the relevant things that you think and then you undergo the fellowship training program yep. for that specialty. So, you know, there's a different skill set in general practice than there is in, say, other hospital specialties, whether it's neurology, cardiology yeah. uh, and, and surgical things. I mean, I knew very early on at medical school that, you know, it's really, it's one of these many boys clubs, like to actually be a surgeon, you'd need to play rugby or you'd need oh, to okay. be in the in crowd yeah, for all of that stuff. Yeah. So even though I had incredibly good um, practical, you know, practical skills with my hands and I could do really good surgery and I did, you know, a, a range of things like that, I knew that I would not be allowed to fit in with that system. So like many systems, it's it's kind of um, a closed system, should we say. Yeah, yeah, it's like um, the, the, the purple circle exists everywhere. Yeah, so, you know, you, you, you kind of choose or you fall into or you decide which thing you want to go and do. Um, yeah. But, you know, I just found that very limiting in itself and that's and hence why I was still looking outside because I'm really a very curious person and I love learning. And so I, you know, kept looking for other answers to mm. the conundrums that happened to fall in my lap, no I guess. Yeah, and I guess I, I didn't pose the beginning of my question correctly, but uh, what I was getting at was that uh, it's always been interesting to me that um, doctors don't really learn about nutrition. Yeah, that's that's really not much part of the curriculum. Yeah. there's, And I guess that's with any system. You don't know what's not in it until you spot that, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of things. I mean... For me, lately, I've been looking very much at how we need to take care of our lymph. Yep. And there's so little teaching about lymph and, you know, physical body issues where lymph flow is not working. Really, it's it's just an add-on that becomes something that's addressed once, say, a woman's had breast cancer and they've had all of their lymph glands removed yep. from their armpit and then their arms swell up because their lymph isn't working. Well, what if actually the reason people get cancer is because their lymph isn't flowing in the first place? What if it's that yes. way around? Like it's so obvious when you name it. Yeah. But actually, 
you know, that's just not part of what we're taught. And it's all about detoxing and clearance and the movement. And so what if the reason people are healthier when they exercise is because their lymph is moving around more effectively and they're detoxing in that way and they're like all their body fluids are moving around properly. So it's not just a circulatory thing in terms of arteries and veins and capillaries. It's actually about like all the things, all the toxic things that we spoke about earlier being trapped in the lymph and then that causing an amount of inflammation and inflammation being the root of all other diseases. So there's quite a lot of things to consider in that question. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing that interests me so much that, uh, you know, we hear about these sorts of things, but it's not taught in medicine. There's so much that's left out of that course, but, you know, there's so much that's packed in. Like people say, it's like learning four new languages Mm. or, you know, and so there's there's so many things that, that you are learning and it's all fascinating and your time is absolutely taken up with all of that study and all Mm. the practical and all the things that you need to learn. So there's so much packed into that course, but then when you start to consider the things that aren't in it, and I guess when you're working you know, in the front line in general practice and you realise that people are coming in with all sorts of things that you, that you really don't have any skill set to deal with. And that's where learning Ayurvedic medicine from an elemental perspective, you know, you can consider what their issue is and find a solution without ever having to come up with a named disease or mm. a checklist of symptoms and saying, oh, you've got this Therefore, you have to have that drug. It's like, Mm. okay, so this is what's going on. These are the things, the practical things that you can do. And, you know, that can include herbs or kitchen remedies or, you know, a whole raft of other holistic ideas that you can apply in that instance rather than, you know, what Western medicine has become, which is just the fast track to big pharma as was evidenced over the um, event that we that we were at. Yeah, and I think uh, this is where I'm going with it. I, I, I become extremely suspicious these days uh, after this pandemic era or pandemic era, however you say it. Uh, why isn't, um, is it Ayurvedic medicine? Ayurvedic. Ayurvedic yeah. medicine. Ayurvedic. I mean, yeah. why aren't the learnings or the, the teachings from that medicine incorporated more into mm. yeah. Western medicine? Really good question. And yeah. then, you know, you raise the, um, the, the pharmaceutical aspect of it. You know, um, uh, you have this symptom, therefore you need to take that drug. Uh, I often wonder, and this is where, where I get really sceptical about things, I often wonder if that was always part of the bigger plan. It's kind of like yeah. don't ever allow people to have too much information because if you do, they'll connect the dots. There's so many you elements. I mean? Yeah, there's so many elements in what you've just said because firstly, people are not encouraged to take charge of their own well-being. Mm-hmm. And people are encouraged that there is a pill for every ill. 
that they don't have to bother, they don't have to consider, they don't have to change their lifestyle. It's just like, oh, got cholesterol, take this one. Oh, you've got inflammation in your joints. Yeah. Let's give you a Latin name for that and let's give you a yeah. drug for that that might actually kill or, you or, um, from a heart perspective. But, or or you know. you, you're obese um, yeah. and you like eating, um, you know, meat pies and drinking Coca-Cola, but no need to stop that. Mm. Uh, here's yeah. a pill. Now, yeah. And that literally has just come out, that pill in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so those huge problems. I think, you know, realistically we've allowed ourselves to be gridlocked into a system where, you know, everybody's stressed, everybody's running around, going to their job, they're driving to their job, they've got to pay for their car, they've got to go to their job so they can pay for their home you know, and the kids' daycare and all the other things that all fit together so they're stressed and how do they deal with their stress? Well, that will be paying to go out and go to a yoga class as yeah. well, which they have to fit into their busy timeline uh, and then they pay for the holiday so they can be somewhere else staying in a room when their house at home but, is empty and, you know, all of these things. And meanwhile, you know, the water's being poisoned, the food is being poisoned. Thank you supermarkets are huge and there's only the fresh food section which is now even that's getting contaminated even your your fresh salad in your fresh salad bag has got stuff in the air that's in there that stops yeah it or, from, or the plastic liner of the, and the plastic lining yeah. of all the things it's and then there's the, you know there's the sulfur stuff that's on the meat to make it look red and the, you know like it actually became really challenging um you know and, and, and my job, because I took myself out of the standard system and I was teaching people, you know, how to get really good healthy food, like filter your water. If you don't filter your water, you are the filter. Um, you know, how do you minimise your um, electromagnetic field exposure? How do you, you know, like all of these things, all yeah. of the conditioning and you do need your sun exposure is really important. Mm. Um, earthing, vitamin D. you know, like all of the things that people need to do, it became quite a full on, um, job to look up to the human body That's against right. all of these. And, things. and as we, as we know, again, from this recent era, we're all rats. So we must be kept on that treadmill. Yeah. So everybody's in that, yeah. In yeah. that treadmill and, you know, it, it just became more and more and more things to discuss to kind of go, oh, well, you know, you've got to get this stuff out of your water. You need to drink good, healthy, clean water. Um, you know, try and get your food from the organic place in the farmer's markets, you know, mm. only cook with like the really good fats, not the horrible stuff that's all got the heart foundation tick. There's all of these messaging systems that people are stuck with and left confused because it's, you know, they, they're getting fed all of this from the That's big right. pharma, from the mainstream right. media, from the government. And, you know, no, nobody's kind of saying, you know, what, what feels good to you? Oh, I feel really good when I go for a walk in the country. Great. Do more of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, oh, yeah. I feel really great when I just lie in the park and look at the sky and I listen to the leaves around me. Oh, okay. Like, let's do more, do more of that. that. Mm. Oh, when I, when I get with my violin, when I get with my musical instrument, when I start singing in my choir, 
I feel really nourished. I love it when I go and I do like dancing with my mates and I get together at a party. Okay, well, you know, that's for you. And because we've all got different body types, and yeah. this is a critical thing yeah. that is underpinned in the TCM and the Ayurvedic systems. And, you know, that can be something that people can learn about. When you know what your body type is, you can explore that mm. and know the basics of how best that body type functions and what environment it needs. So, you know, some people really need to just wrap up warm, be near a nice warm fire and be on their own at home. That's how they de-stress. Other people need to get out and party and be hugging people yeah. and, you know, other people need to be out digging the fields or with horses and animals. Mm -hmm. And and on an individual basis, we can we can group those different types um, so that everybody knows what they roughly need mm -hmm. and then we can get down to real precision in that. Instead, we're treated like human ping pong balls. Yeah, so it's like this one size fits yeah. all, yeah. which of course it doesn't. And we yeah. know that that underpinning all the drug trials is complete rubbish Yeah, because there is no one size. There never was and there never will be a one size fits all. We've all yeah. got these individual genetics. We've all got different experiences. We've got genes that are switched on or not switched on. We've got, you know, some body types have got struggles with detox pathways, some some types have more trouble with methylation. Some have more trouble with different kinds of fats and oils. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got to know what your tendencies are. And really it comes down to education and that's really where I want to go ahead is like how do we really educate people so that they know what they need to do to look after themselves? Right. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, you talked about, you, you know, when you're talking about the different body types, often you'll see that in a family. I know in my family, um, we were all very different. Um, and I think maybe, you know, I was a little bit more like my mother. Um, one of my brothers was a little bit more like my father. And the other one was a little bit of each sort of thing. But um, very different body types. Uh, so you can't possibly treat everybody as um, as the same. The same. You're not just a human being. You're an, a unique individual. Mm, yeah. um, so you need to be treated that way. And I, I just it really, it's 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 so frustrating when um, you know we learn about all of these things to think that. A doctor goes to university and only what spends, I know it used to be about two weeks on a nutritional course, for example. If that, yeah. If that, I two weeks. Like some people said like an hour. I don't know. Yeah. That is. And, and I bet you that that would be optional. <laughs> it could be. It might well be an optional thing. So it depends on your interest. And, you know, like. You've got nutritionists and naturopaths and, you know, you've got health coaches and mm. there's the expertise is now out there and I guess it's just that human beings have been trained for so long that they don't need to worry about that. Well, that's And, right. you know, and like with everything that's happened in the last few years, it really comes down to health sovereignty so people can really get to – okay, I know what I need and then I will 
you know, keep myself in balance in the best way that I possibly can. Yeah. Because we know that, you know, whatever's going on, like the, the health costs have been spiralling, you know, for Every- a really long time. Like there's, is, there's no way it's affordable, the, the, the system that we've got. But if everybody learns how to take as much care as they can and then they can rebalance themselves when they find things going out of balance. Look, I, I forget the exact uh, figures now, but I used to know all about this. Um, since I, let's just take it from my perspective, since I was a child, um, we've been hearing about um, the Cancer Council and the fundraising that's done by the Cancer Council, and it's in the billions a year. Well, maybe not in a, a billion in a year, but I know that um, – I'm just going to make up some figures, right? But uh, I, I used to know this was a, as a fact. It was something like in a 10-year period they'd raised, you know, God knows how many billions of dollars. All of it goes to the pharmaceutical companies and yet we've never seen, really never seen an innovation come out of the pharmaceutical companies around cancer treatment. Um, the and, and you talk about the costs. Um here we are, the people funding these companies to do this research. They make a, let's just say, they make a discovery and they create a drug and then they sell it to the cancer patient for, what, $1,000 a go? That is just an utter crime in itself as far as I'm concerned. I'm pretty sure the whole cancer industry is criminal if i'm allowed to say that i think you are Um, why not and i and i think we know that people can reverse a whole range of different illnesses like we know this like Mm. give give the human body it's an incredible healing instrument it's an incredible healing instrument um give it the right circumstances give it the right resources give it the right rest all of those things and, you know, healing, I believe, is possible. And I think, you know, the whole fear around cancer and the whole fear around, oh, God, you know, now I've got a serious disease. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we we know that. And, and what's interesting is, um, you know, there's books now by Jane McClelland and others who are looking at the the metabolic causes of cancer and yep. all they're doing is literally catching up with functional medicine so mm. functional medicine nutritional environmental and lifestyle medicine like these are all the underpinnings where it takes a lot more time when we're talking to patients because we're teaching them how to live you know compatibly with their physical body and to look after it the best that they possibly can. Mm. And then there may be extra substances, you know, things that you need to do. And that could be acupuncture. It could be, you know, stuff to do with lymph, as we mentioned, it could be really re-nourishing it because we know that we're overfed and undernourished. So Mm. a lot of the food system doesn't have the key nutrients. We know that NPK fertilizers don't put in, you know, the zinc, the selenium, the you know, the other key nutrients that we need for a healthy human body. We know that human beings have lost the gene to create our own vitamin C, so we do need to consume that. If we're getting under the weather, we may need very big doses of that. And, you know, there's loads of vitamin C 
um, information as well. Yeah, so human beings, fruit bats, guinea pigs, I think we all lost the gene to create our own vitamin C, whereas other other creatures on the planet, mammals particularly, like um, they can generate their own vitamin C. So that's why, you know, you might might not see a giraffe with a cold because, you know, they generate their own vitamin C. So a lot of the animals will, you know, adjust their diet, but they will also generate vitamin C. And that's why we get so many issues that are, you know, lack of that well, this is why i love um speaking yeah to people. you find like, out all you, sorts of things yeah, yeah 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 i mean i know we produce our own vitamin d but i'd never heard heard that before yeah we so, can't produce yeah. vitamin c anymore yeah, so there's interesting. there's interesting. so many things that we need to take like you know we need to take in an amount of key nutrients including mm. our minerals and vitamins and you know all the um antioxidant substances and so mm. forth and then, of course, we have to have a healthy gut microbiome, and that was one of my areas of interest. But uh, yeah, if we if we don't take in vitamin C regularly, then that causes all sorts of problems. And okay, like you know, the deficiency disease of scurvy is where it got yeah. highlighted, of course, and those discoveries. But yeah. we actually need quite a good amount even to keep our adrenals going. And so, you know, when people, the more stressed people are the more deficient in vitamin C they are. So and then that of, has its impact on the immune system, of course. Right. Just out of my own curiosity, how long ago is it estimated that people lost the ability to produce vitamin C? Oh, that's that goes way back. So human Thousands beings. Of years. Yeah, so like human beings in general yeah. can't make our own vitamin C. Interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you just gave me a real good opportunity there. <laughs> you said the human body is an amazing interest in mm. instrument in um, healing itself. Yeah. Yet now the um, the big drive by the by, by big pharma is to produce um, drugs that are mRNA based. That they need, they feel the need to rewrite our DNA so that mm. they can heal us. What could possibly go wrong? What could? Uh, Truly uh, dystopian stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And we've seen so much destruction from that. Obviously, the people that you've discussed with Mark Lofts, would um, people can go back over that material, I guess. And then we've got all the stats from the um, from the groundbreaking event that we had on Saturday. So people can go back and watch that. Well, that's a, a fantastic segue. Um, on that evening... Uh, Dr. Asim Mahutra spent some time in his presentation speaking about the pharmaceutical research and drug development and the fact that 96% of Australia's TGA uh, funding, funding yeah, comes, comes from, from big the pharma. industry. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, again, what could possibly go wrong? What could Sally? possibly go wrong? Yeah. Did you? I mean, I I'd already heard about that, but I thought it was more like seventy six percent, which is shocking enough. Mm. But I nearly fell off my chair when I heard that figure quoted, and mm. that's apparently um, I now know is a legitimate figure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Dr. Malhotra talking about you know the research that has gone to look at those. Uh, statistics. And I mean, have you ever followed um, Senator Gerard Rennick? 
Yes, I think he's uh, he's working really hard to um, doing some bring brilliant. things to light. Yes, and and he's questioning of John Skerritt in the Senate estimates hearings, um, and Skerritt's there trying to make out like they're very well founded, um, very evenly keeled organisation that really know what they're doing, and uh, he's off his rocker. How dare he ask these questions? He doesn't understand the the research, and you know the just the utter hide of this guy, who's now resigned. Who's now resigned, running like a little rat himself. Um, the part of uh, just on that point, the part that really really upsets me when I I see things like that. You know, people like Skerritt telling. Um, Senator um, Rennick that he doesn't know what he's talking about is that I, I, I've got to say I absolutely reject this notion that um, intelligent adult people can't understand um, maybe more deeper concepts just because they haven't had the, the training. I mean, um, okay, I'm not a doctor but I'm intelligent enough to follow along with what is being presented to me and understand the concept, no matter what it is. Mm. I mean, sure, I'll never be a, a nuclear scientist, or I'll never be a, 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 a you know a, a heart surgeon or or even a GP. But um, I don't think I could put in the amount of work that's required. But um, I can sure understand um, a lot of it. Mm. I, th- I think there are many different types of intelligence and there are many different ways that people process information as well. And I think really nobody needs to be told that mm. they're too stupid to understand stuff. And yeah. I think, you know, if people have got legitimate questions, I think it's really important that we have those discussions. And that, of course, has been the problem with all the censorship. is that nobody's allowed to ask questions. And if they have questions, they get called names. And realistically, this has been the biggest problem in medicine. And that's, I guess, where AMPS is at, the Australian Medical Professional Society. Mm. We're going to get on to that. Yeah, so AMPS supports real science, which is like science is about asking questions and it's about discussion and it's about really trying to nut things out. And of course, you know, some people do really deep research. Some people have their opinions and try and come to an understanding of, you know, what the truth is. And I guess at the end of the day, what we all really want is to find the truth and find the way through things. And as human beings, I think we've got incredible capacity for problem solving and coming to find that out but yeah. not where there's censorship well sally how you mean how important is informed consent well that's one of the major underpinnings in medicine mm. i mean the thing with um the thing with medicine and those of us who've been in the field for a really long time, Mm. you know, I've got over 30 years experience and informed consent is one of the most critical underpinning values that we hold in medicine. Mm. And so to have fully informed consent, you have to actually know 
the information to be able to put that across yep. to your patient and you need to have access to all the information mm. and then you need That's to right. discuss it in a way that that person can understand and there have been many kind of legal stouches about, you know, making sure that that person really gets the appropriate information on which to make an informed Absolutely. decision. Well, it was part of the Nuremberg, the conclusion of the Nuremberg trials. But I think it goes way back before that because yeah. as a human being, how can you honour another human being if you don't respect their need to know? They may have weird and different questions that yeah. you never even yeah. thought about. And so, like, the onus on a doctor in that process is is to answer whatever questions are required. Yeah. And, you know, and any of those are fine like any question that people right. have because they need to feel satisfied that they fully understood that they've had everything um, appropriately answered so that then they can move forward and make that decision. Yeah. I, actually a story on that one. When Crazy. I was in my internship, mm. um, one of my jobs was to do the consent form. So there was this elderly lady, she was in her 80s, she came in on take, she had appendicitis, right? Yeah. So, you know, she was in her 80s. We thought, oh, we better scan her tummy, make sure it's not a cancer, blah, blah, blah. And it, you know, luckily turned out that it wasn't a cancer, it was appendicitis. So, like, I went with the consent form and I'm just like, okay, you know, we can fix this, it's a small operation, bloody blah, blah. And she's like, nope, I've had a good life. I'm happy to go with this. This is going to be my final thing right. and I'm happy I'm to ending die. It. Yeah. 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 And it was like, okay, so that's kind of valid, right? Yeah, absolutely. If that's her decision, obviously then we had further discussions and so forth. And mm. I must say it did have a happy ending that at the end of the day or, you know, at the end of several days actually mm. because it did take some time to – really consider all of that. Yep. Um, but the thing is, if that were her decision, do we honour that? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you know what's happening and what's insidiously happening in our hospitals and health systems is that people are having decisions taken away from them and we've seen children getting taken away under the guise of, you know, the hospital and the doctors know better and they get a court order mm -hmm. to make the the child undergo treatment that the parents. We've just seen several of those cases. Uh, yeah. When here in New Zealand over mm -hmm. the last few months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked at that. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll come back to informed consent. Uh, one of the things that I was saying early in the in the era of the pandemic was uh, informed consent is my right. It is not my obligation. And that um, that's literally a human right. It's, in, it's written down in the conventions and yet that no longer matters clearly We've gotten through the pandemic and now we've had all these stories of children being taken away from their parents. And there was just one um, only a few weeks ago here in Western Australia, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Um, 
was it's, the child was diagnosed with leukemia, I think. And um, and I, I don't remember the details of it, but the child was taken away from their mother. Mm. I, 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 the pure evil that's going on in this. Yeah, world. the destruction of the family system, the destruction yeah. of the connections, the destruction of the of, human being, and and like mm. how traumatic for that child and to, the to not to not have their mother there when yeah. they're undergoing some hideous kind yeah. of procedures and so yeah. forth and for the mother and, and how traumatised would that And the rest of the family, yet, you know, there's a car accident and there are people killed in the car accident. It's all about, oh, the, the, the weeping widow and the, the children that were left behind and the whole thing. But it doesn't seem to make any difference when it comes to yeah, these, these weird situations yeah. that seem to be happening more and more. Everything's so contradictory now mm. and it's all really to suit a political purpose, I'm sure. Who knows where that's going but I think it's, yeah, it's definitely off track and we need to highlight those things and, and we really do. get that straightened out. We really do. Hey, I just wanted to mention that um, for all of the audience – it's utterly pouring down outside right now. You probably can hear it through the microphone. Can you hear it, Sally? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to block that out. But um, if you're wondering what that noise is, that's what's going on. Let's move it along a little bit. Um, again, coming back to the um, mainstream medical convention that we had mm. last weekend on the 10th of June, Uh what did you find, what part of that did you find most confronting or did you already know all of the information and there wasn't anything that confronting for you? It, it's hard to say. I mean, I it, it sort of completed a cycle for me in a sense that from the beginning, understanding what was going on and seeing things that didn't fit the mould or, you know, because I think like Michael Yeadon, I recognise that my brain or my system works on pattern recognition and when something's right. outside the pattern, I'm like, oh, that's a bit weird. Oh, that's a bit strange. Like what's going on here and why, you know, this this doesn't make sense yeah, kind I can of stuff. To this, yeah. And so yeah. I think those of us who were more pattern recognition critical thinkers were trying to talk to other people and then, you know, feeling like we're in a bubble where nobody can literally hear us because we're saying stuff that we're seeing and we're like, you know, and everybody else was, oh, no, that's all fun, yeah. you know. And and so you, you kind of get a bit louder and you go a bit further afield and you're like, you know, like this isn't right. Like where's informed consent gone? Like mm -hmm. why if doctors normally, like for GPs, their day-to-day -day revenue is seeing people with coughs and colds and stuff and then all of that cohort of people kind of ended up in COVID clinics to be assessed yeah. by other people, not by their GP. GPs weren't allowed to see people that had coughs and colds and stuff. And I, and I was like, well, where have the normal coughs and colds gone? Like what, what happened to those? Like well, who's, who's, who's seeing that? And, and you know, too. how, how have we got a government that doesn't have PPE? Like, why is it that, you know, we like, what are they doing in there that they don't plan for stuff like this? And why have we got swabs that we've bought from Merck Sharp and Dome, which is a 
pharmaceutical company to do a PCR test. Like, why does that? Yeah. Like, why? Why, why are, are we things? using like, PCR tests? What, what are all these things doing? So that pattern recognition, I guess, you know, just I just kept looking at different things, and I guess you know the maybe, like we know that there's things like confirmation bias. So, like you know, then the next weird thing comes up, and the next weird things comes up, and you're kind of like, well, that's not right either. There's things that are mm. not right here, and then I guess over time, I, you know. F- got connected with other people and and like yourself you know we've all found our like-minded people around us but mm. you know to have a full large 2500 auditorium of people that came together with that incredible buzz of energy mm-hmm. to hear these amazing speakers was just fantastic um I feel like I had been across, you know, because in three years or whatever, I've been across like a very large amount of the information I've been digging and finding and, you know, so yeah. many videos, so many There's bits and pieces. So many but, papers read. Um, yeah, so much mm. research done and so many connections around the world. But, uh, yeah, so I guess I don't necessarily have a particular item that was shocking for me. Well, I'll tell you what was shocking to me, and um, I thought I knew it all as well. Yeah. I mean, gosh, the amount of research that I did. Mm. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned the PCR test. Mm. I'm the sort of person who, when I get told I've got to do a PCR test, I want to know about, what. well, what's this PCR test? And then I instantly find, well, nearly instantly find that uh, it was never designed to be a uh, – What's the right word for it? Like a um, yeah, like a disease, a disease. finding, yeah, it, it, item. It, yeah. Yeah, it was a theoretical thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just, <laughs> I don't know. I find it really, really hard to accept um, that this whole thing wasn't just a coordinated event, and that um, when you say, you know, why weren't the governments ready for this? Well, I would suggest that the the orders were handed down. And the um, the chieftains were like Mark McGowan were handed their uh, their papers and said, "Right, this is your next mission." Mm, yeah, for sure. Uh, and we know yeah. much more about that now. We know about the coordinatedness mm. of the whole event. And well, the so Five Eyes Nations it was an operation flat out, um, and I, th- and I know a lot more information is going to come out on that. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think you know Naomi Wolf highlighted you know, some of the background of the, mm. you know, where the command, the chain of command C- came really from. Yeah. 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 But I'll tell you, just going back to what I found mm. most shocking, yeah. um, to hear that the lipid nanoparticle that's used as part of the contents for these shots um, is a, a, an industrial product that's made by China that comes straight off the shelf. You can, anyone can go and order it online. Uh, and to hear that they 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 were putting that into the vaccines, not not purified in any way, uh, no special level of um, no no specification level that it needed to be made to. It's just they just bought it in massive vats, and I mean the way she described it all, I, I had this image of truckloads of these like forty four gallon drums of the stuff, which is kind of how she ex- described it. And she would know. She's um, the one mm. doing the research on the Freedom of Information 
the Pfizer papers that were yes. released under yes. the Freedom of Information that were that, that, uh, that, that, that Pfizer wanted to hide for seventy five years and for 75 luckily years. Those, yeah, luckily those got released. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know they needed to make sure that all those involved were um, well and truly dead before the public found out about it. But that hasn't happened. Uh, yeah, yeah so, so we were lucky to get that information and lucky that uh, you know there were three thousand five hundred volunteers who are all scientists and doctors and analysts that, that are working on through. that. So like the, the, the data that's come out of that is incredible. Mm. And that's all from the basic Pfizer data. So, you know, yeah. you have so many people out there kind of going, Oh, where's your information? Oh, no. Where are you coming yeah. from? Oh, do you learn your stuff from Facebook or something? Oh no! And it's, it's like, more. no, this is actually the full on, Pfizer data dumps. The useful idiots in the society. But the thing that freaked me out more than anything was that um, to hear that this stuff coagulates Mm. above 25 degrees Mm. Celsius. Mm. And, I mean, what's the human body operate at? 37. That's correct. So now we get it in there and it just, yeah. Yeah, and we're seeing these blood clots that look nothing like a blood clot. If anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, there are videos out there that, um, that uh, you know, we, we have got uh, morticians and funeral home directors uh, coming out and going, listen, these things are coming out of people's bodies and they, and I've seen the pictures mm. and it looks plastic. It has a plastic yeah. look to it. Yeah. Um, and and just uh, just to repeat what I, I said, to hear that this stuff coagulates above twenty five degrees, and they were putting that in it deliberately, yeah. deliberately. Yeah. Um. You know, if just that on that, just yeah, just that, that on its own point, is enough, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. To say it wasn't a bioweapon. Uh, I'm sorry, it was a flat-out bioweapon and that's your evidence right there. I, I just It shocks me, it really does. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I'm told that there were around 200 doctors at that event in attendance. Okay, Yeah. great. Yeah. I know I mentioned that to you earlier off camera, but um, their numbers, and I am going to get some confirmation on that, mm. but um, I believe that that is quite accurate, um, that uh, apparently came from one of the organisers of the event. Mm. Um, how do you think those people found the event or how do you think they received the information? Because I'm talking about doctors who haven't previously stood mm. up. Nobody knows about who they are apart yeah. from the event organisers because I believe there were quite a fair few um, personal invitations sent out. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I guess as a, as a medical doctor, like I've been sending information to colleagues that I've been shocked that, um, you know, can't, can't, can't see what we're seeing. Um, and so, you know, that's been a three year old job trying to like get people across the line because I think, you know, sooner or later they're going to, have to come to the, you know. Well, as you said earlier, um, a doctor is a doctor's life's all about pattern recognition. I feel like it is, and you know, well, uh, like if well, if they weren't across 
what I was seeing early on, surely they must be seeing so many um, shot and jab injuries now. Like they must be seeing all of that. But, of course, the medical industry is still obfuscating the information. And if people think that mainstream media and, you know, the, the, the mainstream information that's coming out is already enough brainwashing, like within the medical industry, mm. that the, there were daily videos, there were daily updates, mm-hmm. there's endless information throughout the whole pandemic. And that is also, you know, you're kept in your camp by your colleagues and, you know, more senior colleagues and then the, um, you know, the colleges, so the AMA and the RACGP and all of the, mm-hmm. the various colleges, including the College of Obst and Gynetrician, like the obstetricians and gynecologists, which is absolutely shocking because like they would be seeing so much from what Naomi Wolf's talk they, they must was. Be. Like they must be seeing endless people. But, so like the fertility, the period problems, the, yeah. you know, all of the gynecological issues from all of that. So, but furthermore, the uh, this is the part that I can't get my head around. These very doctors that you're talking about, um, they were being gaslit. Yes, and then they've started gaslighting their patients. And I yeah, mean, yeah, as you know, we've talked about it earlier. I've done lots of these jab injured episodes yeah. with um, Dr. Mark Lofts or retired Dr. Mark Lofts. And uh, and I've also done these. Uh, I did one of these in the Northern Territory, um, not so not just here in Western Australia, but this particular person in the Northern Territory had also been flown to Adelaide, so it had um, experiences in the uh, uh, hospital at Alice Springs, as well as I can't remember the name of the hospital, but one of the big ones in Adelaide. And what what. Um, I shouldn't say shocked me, but what amazed me was that the feedback that he gave me, this guy gave me, was the exact same feedback that I'd received from all the other people. And it was this gaslighting of saying, there's nothing wrong with you. You're having an anxiety attack. Just go home and take some Panadol and just settle down. And that's what was... And this is shocking. Like this it's is shocking disgusting. in medicine. It's appalling, yeah, yeah. and it's and I, I mean because of course people tell me all sorts of stories. People like there's endless stories of mm. of how appallingly people are being treated, spoken to, the disrespect, the gaslighting, and yeah. and not even following the standard process of. You know, you interview your patient, you take a history, then you examine them, then you do some tests. Like this is so standard. This is so standard. And there's people that are being, like that are going with chest pain and like cardiac issues to a a doctor and not not being listened to, not being examined, not having an ECG, not being sent to a hospital, not having trip like that, you know, the blood tests and yeah. things done. So people are just being brushed off mm-hmm. without any evidence being even gathered. Well, not only that. And being told, yeah, I've heard this line before. Yeah. I've heard this line so many times. Oh, you're having a panic attack. Yeah. It's just like, 
No, I don't have anxiety. I don't have a mental health issue. I have palpitations. Yeah. Are and they I have told that they've got mental health real issues? Symptoms like people have got real symptoms. Yes, but not only that. Um, uh, uh, Doctor William Bay, who we'll talk about in a moment, um, uh, I've seen him him speak about this, and I myself have had the exact same feedback. People uh, in in this case, William Bay's story was quite a lot more severe than the one that I'm, I, I, I could tell. But uh, uh, this person died and was able to be resuscitated because it happened in a hospital after getting the, the shot. And the doctors said, no, no, that's that's okay. That's um, It's not unusual for that to happen kind of thing. <laughs> um, and and then it's turned around, what the, what the WTF um, – I was about to say what the WEF, but that's another that's another <laughs> that's one. A different story. Um, yeah, and but then the, the the same doctors turned around to this person and encouraged them to take the second shot. This is this is also weird because even you know people that come up like with allergy or like they have anaphylaxis or you know we've always had this thing where you know say peanut allergy like you know just as a general example peanut allergy you completely like you get rid of peanuts completely mm. like yep. you you yep. don't you use don't. peanut oil you don't you know because the next time mm-hmm. it might take a smaller a much smaller amount to set off the anaphylaxis yeah. and this is all being turned on its head yeah and just kind of like oh so you had this massive great like anaphylaxis attack mm. or oh, you better have your second one like what? Oh, well, totally, it's totally understood throughout history, um, at least modern history. Uh, if you're pregnant, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't take injections Weird substances. or drugs. Yeah, yeah. And yet now, oh yeah. no, no. Um, yeah, you need to take this experimental DNA modifying drug with these nanolipid particles that coagulate above twenty five degrees C. Yeah. Oh man, mm-hmm. it was a death. And I mean, I guess again, like I've seen sure. this, like I've seen, you know, over the over thirty years of practice, like mm. initially, like pregnant women were always specialed. Like you wouldn't be yeah. giving them any, like you know, and 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 even the pharmaceutical drug categories, like they've got category A, B, C, D, you know, yeah, and. D is like we know it's teratogenic. We know it causes abnormalities, so you don't give that stuff. And then, you know, you would always be looking up in the MIMS, like if if you had a pregnant person and they needed some medication, you'd yeah. look it up. What category is it? Oh, sorry, you can't have that, but this one, you know, is safer. So if you need something, like go for that. You really urgently need this. something, yeah. And 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 now this, and it just yeah, it just does not compute it just yeah it just doesn't and you know like originally i mean going back years now i guess but you wouldn't have given people like you wouldn't have given pregnant women um immunizations no Uh, hell yeah um you just wouldn't and um we've now got um I, i think I don't know whether it's the right time to say it, but I don't know whether I should or not. But I think we're we're now going to be faced with the um, a, a growing death toll, and certainly, um, 
I don't know how the healthcare system, you know, will actually withstand what's been done because, I mean, remember the other thing about this era, um, oh, the healthcare system and the hospitals are, are at breaking point. They were collapsing already. They and, were, I mean, you, you, you yeah. see that in the, like, you saw that in the UK and, you know, Asim's story about the ambulances yeah, not yeah. getting anywhere on time, like it's hours to get an ambulance on time. Like we're, like I'm near a main road and I'm hearing screeching like, you oh, know. like Sterling <laughs> Highway is just yeah. right here yeah. and I hear like, it all night long. Yeah. Constant, you know, yeah. um, those alarms. Of, those and, sirens. And, yeah, those sirens all the time and, um, you know, you know the system's collapsing and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, help that there are still thousands of health practitioners left outside the system because although people think That's mandates right. are dropped, they're not really thoroughly dropped. Like we we absolutely need WA to kind of go, okay, there's really no justification of any business now mm. having mandated. There's absolutely anything. not. There's there's not. Yeah. There's just no. not. And you know, well, that, well, that's been said in Parliament. We know it, that. Yes. And yet there are still these mandates in place that are stopping health practitioners that could be working, that want to work, but mm. the ones that still, you know, despite the gaslighting, despite everything they've gone through, the ones that still want to work yeah, um, are still blocked out. Absolutely insane, isn't and it? And so the numbers are ridiculous. Like the numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we've already had, you know, I don't know how many deaths that is creating. Well, there's um, quite a few. Mm. But, um, you know, like if people are dying suddenly and that's they're, they're dead before the ambulance is even going to get there, so then I guess they don't even count in the health system, do yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I was actually surprised um, to hear uh, Sam, I think it was him that spoke about it on, on last Saturday night, but um, that uh, there are quite a few suicides there are quite mm. a few doctors um, suicide. In fact, yeah. I think it was Naomi Wolf that spoke about that. Well, there's been a lot. There's it's been, been a lot. Like, I mean, I can't validate the numbers. We can't seem to get them out of APRA. We don't know how many doctors have dropped off their registration. Yep. There will be thousands. Mm. So I know even from the groups that I'm in that there are very many who have laid down their registration because they don't want to be well, part I, of I that. know the, of a doctor that committed suicide over Yes, mm. yeah. So we know that 17 doctors have suicided whilst under APRA investigation in the last really? couple of years or so. Yeah, and Is of course just APRA, here in WA? No, no, that's Australia not WA, that's, that's APRA nationwide. nationwide. So 17 doctors suicided whilst under investigation. Yeah. Um, I also heard a figure of, of 2,000 doctors suicided over the duration of the Pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't have any well, capacity to. I can tell you for a that. fact. The 17 is definite. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. And of course, APRA pretends that it's nothing to do with them. And, of course. And they, they all had mental health problems. Well, you know, when of you've course. persecuted and gaslit mm. and terrorized, it's basically domestic violence of doctors. Well, it, yeah. it, well, it's more than that. Yeah. It's, it, and I've spoken it's, about yeah, this in yeah. the past, it's technically torture. Yeah, yeah. Um, emo- it's it's called emotional torture. It's li- there's literally yeah. a, the terminology for it, uh, the words around it are, are you know being um, 
it's uh, whilst under threat of the loss, you know, exactly what happened. It's when mm. you're being under mm. threat of losing something really important mm. to you, like your mm. job or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I and then it and then it eventuates in moral injury, which is you know a lot of the doctors that I'm talking yeah. to are, are kind of going, I don't know if I really want to do this anymore. I just feel like they feel so morally injured, but like we don't like we're only just learning the language to describe yeah. what has happened to us over the last three well, years. On a completely different note, I'm just going to throw this in. Um, I even feel that way about going back to work. Now, I've just gone back to work recently Mm. and with everything that's gone on and all the things that we've learned over this last few years and here I am, I I walk in to have dinner the other night and I won't say where, but it was at work uh, and it's all about Pride Month all over the place. And then we've got the ads that you can buy the – the pen and you can buy the the band for your hair and just what the heck has that got to do with the workplace? Just what has it got to do with it? Mm, mm. Nothing. I mean, sure. all these all these different types of virtue signalling as constantly all, like and you know everybody gets on their Facebook and they they put the rainbow around or they put whatever the latest thing is like oh, when just, it was Ukraine when it yeah. was this that and the other. It's, it's it's, like, that's right. You know, oh, you've got to virtue signal this mm. now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like it's just so you feel like it's all just the distraction and. <clears throat> I mean, I guess you know we've really learnt about that herd mentality and we know that um, people are tribal animals. Mm-hmm. Um, of course you wouldn't survive, like in the past you wouldn't survive if you got ostracised yeah. from the tribe and so like that's an inherent thing that we have. Um, but, you know, that's being used in a certain way, which is very destructive. And it, I think it's about distraction. It's about, you know, you know, like with the masks, it's like, okay, who's complying? With yeah, well, it's all you know, about like that. It's yeah, all yeah. about compliance and, you know, giving somebody, oh, it, giving people the thing, like the next it, thing. It wasn't just, uh, we weren't just hit with a bioweapon. We were hit with a social experiment as well. And it was all Absolutely. to find out who was going to go and take the orders. Look, Sally, we've got to move on. Um, Let's talk about AMPS a little bit because we have um, mentioned that a couple of times. Now, you are one of the, I think, in WA, one of the founding. Yeah, so I'm the, what am I? I'm the AMPS WA representative. Yeah. Tell us all about AMPS or or just a rundown on AMPS. Yeah, so AMPS um, was formed um, when it became evident that doctors really needed a good union and mm. what we were seeing is, as we said, you know, the doctors or the, the you know, the RACGP or the other kind of umbrella organisations, including the AMA, were all kind of had their particular narrative that mm. they had to play out. So um, we needed something separate from that that would actually stick up for the important things in medicine. And those things being, uh, first, do no harm, obviously, informed consent, um, personalised medicine. So it's really about, you know, doing the best for your patient in front of you rather than sacrificing them for the general good kind of yeah, yeah. thing, which is kind of like sacrificing people 
on the basis of public health, which was kind of like which a is bit what, of a, which is what a bit of a weird. Which is what we've just witnessed in this. Yeah, so that was like a years. weird turnaround kind of a thing. So we want to, um, you know, stop medical censorship. That was one of our big um, pushes to to make sure that doctors could speak out because. In my time when I was targeted by APRA, I was directed to review a whole range of reading. I actually was told that I had to do, oh, yeah, had I, to do, I had to had do to 10 hours. I had to do 10 hours of re-education, yeah. Wow. So you can read um, on Brownstone Institute the re-education of Dr. Price. Mm. Oh, I'm going to have to go and do that. We'll have to put yeah. a link to that. Yes, yeah. In the description for people yeah. listening. So I had to, I had research. to do ten hours of re-education, and then I had to write an essay. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this is what, what the WTF. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, these are these, but part of that, part of that was actually just getting more familiar with the codes of ethics and. You know, I chose to do that and that was useful. So I did read all sorts of things. And when, like, anybody can look up the AMA Code of Ethics, people can look that up online and they can see that on there it's actually our duty to raise red flags if we see. Absolutely. Like if we see wastage of money in yeah. healthcare, yeah. If, we, if we see a, a red flag signal, like, all of these things are our code of ethics. Like it's important that we do that. We need to speak out. We're not supposed to be censored. Doctors are meant to be there as the pillars of the community. And even if like if there's a red flag and it's like, oh, no, actually that was just a little blip or whatever, then fine. But this is how thalidomide. Yeah, but, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Like all the other things, mm. like where we see that there is a linkage. Yeah. You know, you you need it's to discuss duty that to stuff. Not, it's your duty to, to do that. Yeah. So, so really, AMPS is about getting back to yeah. proper humanity, ethical medicine, informed consent, putting your patient first, optimizing patient outcomes. Mm. Um, you know, resisting the government inserting itself in the doctor-patient relationship, um, upkeep of of patient confidentiality because you know people's health information has been you know everybody's been asked you know for their health information that is private that's their, their confidential health history and i'm very suspicious of all of these notes packages Major. in doctors surgeries and where is that data going there's all sorts of data oh. getting you know well, i'm what? pretty convinced that that's happening as well so you know, we're we're trying to the resist. Employers holding this information of their yeah, employees. and didn't we see recently that a lot of um, uh, workplaces are now getting told to delete all of that? I hadn't seen that. Yeah, no, I've been seeing that. That's a, do you know one well, of the so. questions that I had for my employer when I lost my job, or leading up to it, I said to them uh, in a letter, I said, I want to know. Who has access to that data? Who are the people that are going to have access to that data? And how is that data going to be uh, secured? Yeah. And who in the future might have access to that data? Do you know what I was told? Mm. Oh, that's irrelevant, Andrew. That's an irrelevant question. Yeah. 
And no, and no question is irrelevant, is it? And so, not yeah. when it comes to my personal information. Yeah, it's your personal information, and I mean, it's a bit like you know, if you send somebody an email or a text or something like that, you know, you have to accept the fact that that might go elsewhere. Like people do, oh, yeah, you send things on and blah blah blah. Well, but yeah, the thing is, yeah. but when it's something really important like this, you you really and we've had so much about data security and you've got to pay for this and you you can't send this in an email and you have to do it like this and, you know, there's been so much fuss about all of that. Absolutely. And then suddenly it's like, okay, well, you know, privacy for everything until you go into the supermarket and you have to show your Again, health pass and this is to, a to some chicky, like. Absolutely, some, know, some teenager. Yeah, um, just, just somebody who's not. But this is one of the keys. This is one of the key things that I really hope the audience um, really starts to take note of is that it, it doesn't matter, um, you know, there's no, no such thing as consistency. It's just whatever's politically mm, um, mm. viable at the time or, mm, or, mm. or you know, mandated at the time. Um, you know, again, it's the old... Uh, you can die from the jab, literally die from the jab, but that's that's irrelevant. It's for the greater good. Yet if someone dies in a car accident, it's it's, it's tears and flowers mm. raining mm. from the heavens, kind mm. of thing. Yeah, um, just incredible. Uh, okay, so and on it, that, I think mm. a related thing to that is like, you know, in the past, if somebody dies or something happens within twenty four hours of surgery or being mm. in hospital. Like automatically, mm. that needs to be investigated, right? Yeah. And yet, if somebody dies within 24, 48 hours or in the first week of this stuff, it's like, oh no, we're, we're like, we're just not, or, yeah, that's not interested right. in that. It's just like, but these are temporarily related events. Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> why? Okay, I'm not saying it's causal necessarily yeah, yeah yeah i'll let other people say that but you know i'll say it's like causal. yeah so you know you have something happen and then something else happens why are we not investigating that and why are we this not a, investigating a 17 percent increase in deaths from all causes in western australia and just just like minute. while we're in there i know and, and everyone loves to say 17 percent. it's actually 17.6 yeah. It's nearly, it's 18%. nearly 18 now. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll keep climbing, no doubt. That's, well, you know, we had the information early on that that was what was going to happen. And it has happened and it will happen. We've, we've seen the evidence presented at the, um, yeah. The conference. And Ed Dowd was fantastic at, at really outlining was. because he's a great data analyst, like he's a great data guy. And he's mm. like, you know, this is what we're seeing. He's saying it's the jabs, but if it isn't the jabs, like where are the people that want to prove that it isn't? Like mm. where are the people talking about, okay, look, that is absolutely not the jabs. So why are we not investigating a 17%, 17.6% increase in deaths from all causes? Why are we not talking about mainstream media silence? Yeah. You know, why are we not talking about like 3%? is a massive red flag. Oh. 3%. But um, one of the things I learned early on was uh, about uh, drugs over the last, I think it was like 
the study I was looking at was like drugs over the last 50 years, something like that. And um, ones where there'd been 30 people die and they're immediately pulled off yeah. the shelf. Do you remember the time we actually had a bunch of kids get sick and die from the flu jab that was rolled out? I mean, it was a number of years ago now. Quite a long but time the, ago, yeah. Yeah, it was a number of years. I know it's like time's gone a bit weird in the last little while. But, yeah. um, you know, that was stopped. Like they yeah. stopped rolling out that flu jab because there was obviously something wrong with it. Like that was really obvious. But now. Yeah. Oh, no. We've had thousands of people die. Zip, Incredible. Zippity. Yeah. So um, anything else you wanted to speak about or say about AMPS? Um, how do people get in touch mm. with? So just uh, look up AMPS, the Australian Medical Professional Society. And I'll flash um, up the logo as well. Yeah, there's a logo, there's a QR code, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we can probably find those and put them on. Um, so, you know, any any doctors that are concerned about, you know, anything that they're seeing or what there's been going on in the last few years. I think it's really about, um, you know, if you've got questions, if you're concerned about how you're being expected to practice, Mm. if you're concerned about, you know, the side effects that you might be seeing, or if you're concerned about, you know, this all cause mortality going up, um, you know, why is no one talking about it? Why, if you've got the biggest human experiment of all time, you know, you'd expect that that data would be being collected and looked at mm. and people would be interested in the side effects and, you know, people having a whole range of different effects from all of that. Like the the there's ethics around running an experiment, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, really tightly regulated stuff mm. um and yet you know the the, the follow-up like where is the follow-up i guess <laughs> when, when are we going to see the follow-up um on a lot of things a lot yeah, of the yeah. aspects yeah yeah i mean i lost my job yeah i lost a year or nearly two years of income yeah plus yeah. all of my savings yeah yeah. And so much more. Yeah. Am I, am I ever going to get any kind of? Yeah, no, no restitution kind no? of thing. Y- yeah. Like what, you know, really, like in WA, we just need to kind of go, okay, no more mandates. Like this is all, this is done and dusted. And yeah. anyone who wants to come back to work, like you should be able to get back to work without proving that you've had X, Y, and Z. But Sally, we've, like, we've got Bill not. Gates on TV telling us that there's another pandemic coming. Yeah, I'm and, not surprised. Well, and this time it's going to affect children. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a person like my me sees that and goes, "Oh, really?" Mm. And how do you know that, mate? Yeah, totally. Just how do you know that? It's like, it's like it's Fauci coming. coming on, getting on TV and saying, "Oh, Trump's going to have this um this big pandemic issue in his presidency, so we'll see how he's going to handle that." Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is way before mm. COVID, and I saw that, and I went, "What did he just say?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, how to me, how people don't. I want to get don't want to go back down this road, but how people see things like that on TV and it doesn't create a reaction, mm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, again, we're I think, all I think we've been really dulled, haven't we? Yeah. We've been really dulled, well, and again, like coming the back cognizance, to the, yeah, is like the the critical thinking, the cognizance. We're back at the beginning of the podcast, Doctor Sally Price. We um, 
we're, we're, we've concluded that we're rats on a treadmill. Yeah, yeah. And we're like human ping pong balls bouncing back and forth from uh, all the overload of information and mm. overload of information. Mm. And, I mean, you, you you add social media onto that and it's just like a thousand times worse. Mm. We're just being bombarded constantly. Uh, look, I just wanted to move on quickly and just ask you, do you – we mentioned Dr. William Bay earlier mm, mm. and his battle with the belligerent opera. Mm, yeah. Uh, how's that going, do you know? Well, the, there's been a number of doctors actually. I mean, uh, William Bay got more uh, airtime, I guess. Seen, got more yeah. airtime, yeah, that's yeah. right. So, you know, there have been quite a number of doctors that have been trying to take opera to task and trying to push back on opera. That, uh, um, and so, you know... I don't know if we've got to the bottom of it yet, but William Bay has got information that proves that it's it's not a state body and it's not a federal body. We know that it's a corporate entity mm. and it, it, it seems to sit somewhere between the government and the WHO. So, you know, UPRA is getting instructions from the government or, you know, like the Australian government and the WHO, but it isn't what it's purported to be. It isn't taking care of patients, that's for absolute sure. Um, And it just seems to be doing whatever it wants to do, which is basically persecuting doctors. Doing the bidding of the globalist tyrants. Yeah, it seems to be. And so, you know, we're kind of getting a clearer idea of what it isn't and that it doesn't have um, really the, the 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 legal like it doesn't have lawful power to do what it is doing, which is censoring doctors and um, coercing doctors okay. and so forth. Is that being? Um, is there a precedent set there yet? Or? I think we're still in the in the thick in that of that, process, and I wouldn't yeah. like to preempt yeah. Um, yeah. what may be coming out. But there have been a number of doctors that have been. Uh, you know, trying to get to the bottom of this in various states. Um, so um, I think one of the things that I'd like to conclude on is uh, something that we talked about off camera before we began today. Uh, you mentioned that there are just so many Australian local doctors that have been real um, – town cries in this thing throughout the the pandemic, but Mm. no one's ever Mm. heard of them. And when we all talk For example, Julian Fidge actually um, took the TGA to task about the ban on ivermectin, and that seems to be what turned the ivermectin ban off. So, you know, they, they really, the TGA really didn't, like, shouldn't have done what yeah. it did in banning ivermectin, and there wasn't good reason for that. There wasn't science behind that. Um, and, you know, one of our colleagues took them to task over that. Right. Um, we've had, you know, the COVID Medical Network trying to inform people that's now become the Australian Medical Network. Yep. Um, you know, we've got the Cape Byron Lighthouse Declaration. Um, we've got various organisations um, that are trying to either locally or, or overall inform people about what they can do. Um, 
Yeah, the, the, there's been a lot. So um, Professor Ian Brighthope, Dr Ian Brighthope, who mm-hmm. did speak to many, many politicians early in the piece about the importance of um, really re-nourishing the human body. So your zinc, your vitamin D, your selenium and so forth, vitamin C. Um, and, you know, he spoke to many politicians about this. And I believe so I saw agreed him speak. Yeah. with him, but yeah. they weren't... Like they're just spineless. They yeah. wouldn't inform the general public. They wouldn't use the media to say. And even in the UK, the UK media started talking about zinc and vitamin D and so forth. So it got out over there. But here in Australia where, you know, all you need to do is kind of like strip off a few clothes and and, and gather yeah, your yeah, vitamin yeah, D. Yeah. Um, Go to the beach. But yeah, instead, just, we, we had just, to lock down in their homes. Yeah, just yeah. like get your five to ten minutes of good skin exposure. Mm. You do need a lot of skin exposed to do that. Like you actually do need to do more than just, you know, go for a little bit of a walk with, you know, yeah. like most of your body covered. So, yeah. you know, but in your backyard, you can just get out there, you know, um, use – use your capacity to make your own vitamin D or you can supplement it. And that, if we'd just supplemented everybody with 2,000 international units, like the whole thing could have been very different. But, you know, you and I know that actually in 2020, the increased death rate from all causes was minus 0.2. So we know that there wasn't an increased death rate in 2020, yeah, 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 yeah. as evidenced right. in, in right. Saturday nights. Uh, All things I encourage everyone to look up, and we will put some links in yeah. the description to both of those doctors and that information. Mm, uh, mm. Sally, I noticed that your camera is just turned off, and I think it's trying to tell us something. <laughs> uh, right, yes. So everybody, I'll try and fix that up. I don't know why that's occurred, but um, whilst mine's I think, still I think you've going, got enough footage. I think we've got enough. Um, look, it's been wonderful speaking to you today. I really appreciate the time that you've spent to go through all these things with us. Um, so thank you so much. And I'm so glad that we finally got to sit down and talk. Um, everybody, I did do an interview with um, Sally in the park at the last rally here in Perth. And I will endeavour to get that up. In, pa- in fact, I may even mm-hmm. um, splice that into this video as well, somewhere mm-hmm. along the yeah. line. Um as I was saying to you earlier, I had a guy, this very generous guy, helped me out that day to be my cameraman and um, he'd never operated a camera before and unfortunately the best shot of you is about, you know, just an inch below your shoulders. Yeah. yeah. So it looks a little bit funny but um, the – Well, it, uh, it kind of fits with the fact that we are drowning a little bit, aren't we? A little bit. It's kind of – yeah, what's the right word for that? Um, yeah. Yeah, not – yeah. Yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I won't try and I won't try and get yeah, it not, out right not, now. Not waving drowning, I think is. The yeah, word. there's another word for what I was mm. going to think of. But uh, anyway, yeah. um, that was uh, really great, and yeah. um, and I, I was so glad to finally do that. As I said earlier, I've been trying to catch up with you for ages, and I'm so glad that we've now connected. Um, I'm sure that we could continue to talk for another hour without any trouble at all. Uh, there are so many questions that I didn't get to today. Uh, I know we spoke a little bit about that before we began, but um, uh, 
There'll have to be another time at some point. Yeah, we could always do part two, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So, look, I know before we wrap up, there was something that you wanted to talk about. You've got an event mm. coming up. Yeah, yeah, I do. I actually have um, – And we're going to put this up on screen. Yeah, which should be great. So, you know, I haven't had an income for 18 months. I've got a buy me a coffee link, which is whatever it is, Dr. Sally Price, buy me a coffee. I meant to ask you about that. Mm. Um, for the audience, again, we'll put that up on screen. Please go yep. support yeah. um, Dr. Price. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I really appreciate it. What was really lovely on Saturday night was there were occasional people that were all coming and telling me, you know, how much they'd enjoyed when I've spoken out at the rallies and this, that and the other and, you know, there was one lady who slipped me some money because, you know, um, we all have to eat and, uh, yeah, Yeah. I haven't had any income for 18 months now. Listen, I'm totally there with you. Yeah. So So, so many of us have have been through that journey and been traumatised by that. But what I am doing, like I want to do positive stuff and I do want to do things that are useful and helpful for people. I am taking a small group to India. I went to India in uh, mm-hmm. March, April time um, mm-hmm. because with all this stress, I have had some health issues that I needed to heal for myself. Um, and so I went on uh, a 21-day Ayurvedic detox rejuvenation wow. retreat. And uh, when I was there, I assessed all the different places and I found the best place and oh. I went through that myself, but also asking all the questions so that I could find out for other people that might be interested in that. Well, that sounds um, amazing. And so I'm taking people, so I'm taking a small group of 12 people um, and it's August the 19th to September the 2nd, 3rd. So it's like a two-week time frame. Yep. And it's absolutely incredible because like from the time that you land in Kerala, India, like you get picked up from the airport, you go to the place, you're um, taken care of, like your accommodation, your food, and every single day you're having your incredible massage treatments there for two to three hours a day and all of your food is Ayurvedically balanced. So it's really probably one of the best ways to completely detox and rejuvenate and you come out feeling absolutely amazing at the end of all of that. So, you know, if we can put this flyer up, then, you know, 12 people can come with me. Um, We'll put that flyer up for sure. And it's, these are peak experiences, like for people who haven't experienced, uh, people who haven't experienced Ayurvedic treatments, they are really deeply soothing nurturing nourishing and you know you have these oil drizzling on your forehead people often see the pictures of that and uh you know you have full-on massage and these other um you know four thousand year old treatments that are well known to detox toxic heavy metals out of your system um you know who knows how you know, plastics, all the things that we're exposed to basically. Mm-hmm. So it's about detoxing, rejuvenating the the entire system. The entire and I, body. I, and I just want to get the word out that these are proactive things that people can do to improve their own health. And, you know, Ayurvedically you might do a series, say once a year or even seasonally if you have the capacity to do that. Yep. 
So it's an amazing opportunity to come and I'll be teaching every day, of course, while we're there. So Right. Yeah. Well, with that, um, Dr. Sally Price, thank you for being with me today. I really appreciate that. Um, keep up the great work. Mm. Um, all the best with your tour. Mm. Um, we'll definitely advertise that for you and I'm sure I can get a few people to um, join in on mm. posting that out that on social media. Yeah. Um, to the audience, uh, I'm looking around at my cameras and I realised that I didn't press the button on the battery packs, so <laughs> there's more than enough power there. There's nothing wrong. It's just that um, I made a mistake before we started and that's um, the way things go when you do it all yourself. Well, I think people have seen quite enough of us already. So I'm sure they have. Um, so anyway, um, before I get going, I'd just like to say to everybody who um, has become a patron of mine or who has um, visited my my shop, the 8newshow.shop is the URL. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, I hope many more people go on and just buy a T-shirt. That would be amazing. Um Financially, I think I make about $5 out of that, so it's not a whole lot, but um, certainly will help get the word out there. So if you want to support independent media, uh, please go online and do something like that. I'd really appreciate it. Um, or become a patron of the show. I'd really appreciate that as well. And um, thank you so much. And until the next episode, mm. bye for now. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye.